0: If your wife has ever said, come move this transmission so I can take a bath. You might be. Ronananian. What's your name again? Uh Well, it depends. Um, What was my name again? Ronananian. Ronananian. Well, oh, the car doctor. You
1: don't
2: dig in until the day you die. It's all according to how your boogaloo situation stands, gentlemen.
3: Well, Do I have a problem with the immobilizer? No,
0: immobilizer on this car will keep it from starting. It'll keep it from cranking.
3: D- d- um, nothing with the fuel pump.
0: Right, nothing with the fuel pump. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open, but I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines, and in case they don't, you definitely want to stick around for the next two hours. Ronnie any and the Car Doctor are at your service at 855-560-9900. More information over at Cardoctorshow.com, as well as the ability to stream this radio show live, as well as the ability to download podcasts, along with we've made it available for you in all the usual places. Tune in iTunes, iHeartRadio so you can take us with you wherever you want to go, and we thank you for that. We appreciate your efforts as we continue to sally forth and try and repair all these broken cars on an everyday, every week basis. And um, we uh, we just want to be here for you. That's what this radio show is all about, Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The phones are stacked and backed up. Now, without any further ado, let's open the phones, and we're going to go to a very special conversation with us today. Uh, Jerry Trulia, Jerry Trulia from the folks over at Technician Service Training. He is uh, putting on a seminar, a webinar, a no, not a webinar, a an event is what it is, the big event next weekend in Westchester, New York. And uh, Jerry is the godfather of automotive training. I've said that for years, and I've taken classes with Jerry, and I've learned a lot from Jerry, and it's an absolute honor to have him here with the car doctor, and we're going to be with him next week. Jerry, gee, welcome hey, aboard, sir. how are you, Ron? Good, man. What's going on? So, hey, t- well,
3: you know, getting ready for the TST big event. This is our 14th year doing it, and uh, of course, it's on Saturday, March the 25th, as you said, in Westchester County at the uh, Marriott Hotel.
0: And you know, this is a you know, this is a grassroots effort, Jerry. Uh, you know, gee and I, and I don't mean to insult it like that, but you've done this from your repair shop in Mayopack, New York, is where all this started. A lot of this started, correct? And over the years, it's grown correct. into this 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 mammoth. You know, guys on the West Coast know who G. Truly is. It's that's true. It's it's guys around the world know who G. Truly is. Some good, some bad, but you know, <laughs> you know, for for no, for, for the boy from New York, um, you you've grown to accomplish quite a bit. And uh, next week, you've you're you're attracting quite a few national speakers. Um, you know, trainers, guys that are in this industry and known around this industry, the likes of, and, you know, tell us who they
3: are. Yeah, we have, we're starting off with Tom Rake. Tom is an unbelievable instructor. He's from Ohio, and he is the lead guy for NAPA. He's doing a great seminar on electrical world-class diagnostics, a brand-new seminar that's not even out yet. Uh, It will be uh, debuted uh, here and then, Go out to other places. Uh, then we have my buddy Wayne Colonna from ATSG. If you have problems with the transmission,
2: he's the I guy. My God,
3: this is where the professionals go.
1: Yeah,
3: uh, Wayne is just unbelievable. He'll be doing a seminar on CVT driv- uh, drivability diagnostics. And you know what people don't realize: uh, transability and drivability are hand in hand. Meaning, a transmission problem could be caused by an engine problem, and vice versa. So technicians nowadays need to be astute in how to diagnose these problems, not necessarily how to rebuild the transmission, but is it an issue coming from this transmission causing my, you know, uh, hesitation or my lurk or... You know, it could be an idle problem or my misfire, wheel speed fences and misfires. Right, right, all those different problems. Yeah,
0: it's 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 the the two really are hand in hand now. They're married together.
3: Um, So that's going to be a great seminar, and uh, then we have uh, at lunchtime the keynote speaker, um, Scott Brown, my buddy from California out there from IATM. We met years back when he was on for techs only on CompuServe before IATN because him and Brent Black put IATN together. And if I'm not mistaken, they got 80,000 plus members worldwide.
0: All technicians, we should point out.
3: Oh, yes. These are all professional people.
0: These are all, you know, when we say 80,000, that's 80,000 professionals repairing cars every day. So, you know, for the guys in the audience out there, the technicians out there that may not be a member of IATN, you know, you've got a the, the wealth of information that's there is staggering. It's oh, it's just believable. unbelievable. So,
3: and really, then, it's something they should check out. You can go and look at it, I believe, uh, still for free. And then if you become a member... It's a minimal amount to pay to yeah. get all the... Uh, yeah, lots of
0: information. Yeah, lots of... And then who's rounding out the crowd this year?
3: Uh, then we got my buddy from Arizona, Mark Warren, uh, lead guy for Whirlpack has been around for years. In fact, you know, we had him back here when he was still with ASA years back, writing articles. And uh, Mark has been out oh, about 20 years ago. Came out and did some classes for us. Really sharp guy, you know. Ran a shop for years, and now he runs the World Pack Training. He's doing engine and turbocharging diagnostics.
0: And, and and this is all being done through Technician Service Training, which is your your little baby here, right, Jerry? I mean, you got, yeah, you, you guys yeah. created this, and it's it's a program to train the industry.
3: That is absolutely correct, you know, and it's a non-for-profit group, not to be confused with, you know, people think I do it with my uh, ATTS, Automotive Technician Service uh, Company. That's where I make money. Here is where myself and we have about six people now that uh, help us down from 20, but it is a society or a group of individuals that take their own time to really help the industry out. The industry has been very good to me over the years, from uh, doing radio shows, TV, Internet, um, you name it, writing for different magazines, currently writing for Motor Age. I'm one of the fortunate guys, so I like giving back to the industry. And this is a great thing because it's training, and if we update people, they won't evaporate. And that seems to be a major problem with people in this industry. If they're not up to date, look at the complexity of the vehicle. Autonomous cars out there. I mean, just go to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and you want to see a bunch of autonomous cars out there from Alphabet, which is the Google parent company. Um, You want to see Lyft, which is part of the GM uh, thing, and you want to see Uber. They're there, and these things are going to be, you know, in people's shop because they're still going to need to fix them. Yep. And maybe you may be the owner of it because I know who your ordering audience is. Right. Yeah. You may own one of these things where maybe um, you don't like driving a lot. You want the car to drive you. And, you know. And
0: it's 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 absolutely there. My daughter's in Pittsburgh, and she says the car goes by. You pull up to a traffic light, and there's this thing with all these antennas sticking out of it, and That's it pulls where right. it pulls up next to you, and you're look, looking over, and there's there's nobody in the car. And she said it's absolutely spooky. She said it's it's just like Star Trek. It just it just makes her really think of where the future is going to be. And you're the guy tr- you're the guy helping train the tra- train the technicians for that stuff, Jerry. And that's uh, that's just huge. You know, and that's that's what next week is about, really, the future and getting these guys up to speed so they can be around. It,
3: it's real good, Ron. You know, we started out originally from SAE group called Service Technician Society, STS. A little different than TST, reverse lettering there. But to be honest with you, I was the last president of STS, and unfortunately, um, you know, the technician group is a very tough group, and SAE put a lot of money into it and didn't get the people out to the party, per se. Right. You know, we did an event with Holly Puglisi from EPA years back, Mark Warren, myself, a few other speakers down in Yonkers, New York. We maybe had a few hundred people out at that time. And, you know, they weren't able to make money at it. So when they decided to basically stop supporting the technicians, uh, we took over with our own money. This started from myself and 19 other individuals, uh, Pierre Rispo, Rich Peterson, where we put our money in to pay the first instructor and the first guy we had out was Sam Bell, who writes for Motor magazine and also runs a shop in Ohio. And every month, we were doing 12 months a year, then we cut down with the summer months to 10 months. We did that for years, and now we offer training six times a year. And this big event, I started that 14 years ago. So our 14 big event. Last year, 350 people attended, 365 signed up and paid. This year, we have over 400 with 21 vendors The Car Doctor Radio Show, yourself, will be there.
1: Yeah, we're going to be there next week, yep.
3: Tom Caprieto from Remarkable Results will also be there. And just unbelievable people. There's other instructors sending in, like Donnie Safer, and uh, others that are not even teaching. They come out to this event because they know it is a very good thing for people in our business to help them move themselves up the ladder and it is the biggest single training event in one room. So there are bigger training events out with multiple rooms, but this is the biggest, again, in one room. It will have the most people, uh, technicians in one room, getting great information. They get three manuals, color newsletter. uh, They got a chance, by the way, this year. We're going to send two people, round-trip tickets, hotel, food, some spending money to Chicago, auto mechanica in july
0: which is the next biggest training event yeah right Just
3: people walk through that door and bingo as long as they meet our uh, criteria which is either be an ASC certified taking three training classes a year and we spell that all out so yeah fair for anyone to attend so Plenty of prizes from our vendors i mean last year over thirty thousand dollars of equipment and tools given away at that event
0: So suffice it to say for the audience, you know, portion of our audience is obviously, you know, the consumers and the people that aren't fixing cars. What they want to do is they want to ask their technicians, they want to ask their repair shop, hey, did you go to the TST big event? Because I want to know if you're being trained or not. How are you getting trained? And that's what the consumers out there want to know. And our technicians in the audience, they want to get out to the website, sign up, and be part of this event next weekend.
3: That is true, Ron. And, you know, we have people now signed up from Canada. We have about three, four people. And we got 19 other states, including the state of California, Idaho, and uh, you name it. 19 other states.
2: Wow. So, not Jerry.
3: just from the area here, um, you know, in the past, we've gotten some people from uh, Australia to come in, a guy from Africa last year. Uh, in fact, I just seen that individual at another place. He only had the spending. Uh, The money to spend on one event this year, and he's coming uh, to you.
0: Yeah, hey, gee, the clock's going to take me. Where can the listeners? Where that's okay. Where can the technicians get information for this? What's the website?
3: Uh, www.tstseminars.org. That's tstseminars.org.
0: Perfect, and we'll give that out again during this hour. Jerry, I'll see you next weekend, babe. Thanks for the invite, and uh, looking forward to it. You take good care. I'm Ron and Annie, and the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor here. Let's get over real quick to Lauren in Seattle, 86 Toyota 22RE, and some problems with a rough idle. Lauren, welcome to the car doctor.
1: Hey, Ron, how are you doing?
0: Good. What's going on?
1: Well, so, yeah, I've got this 86 Toyota pickup. Um, it only has 87,000 miles on the clock, and, and everything is going pretty well except for this one problem that's been kind of creeping up, getting a little bit worse and worse. Um, it's a an idle issue, and and sort of what's going on is the um, when the car's warming up at, at a higher idle, um, you know, around 1,000 or 1,100 RPMs, I don't notice it. But then, as soon as the the truck is warm, um, it'll the idle will kind of drop a little bit sometimes, and I'll get a bit of a shuddering. It usually drops between like 750 and 600 RPMs. Right. Um, and if it, I go it, to it'll, the back, it'll it'll drop to it'll to it. drop
0: to 750, 600 RPM.
1: Well, from my understanding, it's supposed to idle at 750.
0: Right, that's what I'm asking. It'll drop to 750 mm-hmm. or 600. Right, You're, it won't drop Correct. 700. When it, right, when it okay. Warms up. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah.
1: So no worries. Um, so if I go to the back and I listen uh, at the exhaust pipe, it, it, you know, it's, most of the time it's purring, but then occasionally there'll be a little kind of hiccup. Right, and it's not. Um, it's very intermittent, like sometimes it'll go pop, 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 and sometimes it'll idle for a while and then I'll hear it. Um, so I, I did a full tune-up with uh, new spark plugs, wires. I put in a distributor cap. I replaced the PCV valve and the grommet. I put in a new O2 sensor. I did a valve clearance adjustment. I'm currently, actually this morning, I, was, I pulled the throttle body and, and cleaning that off. And um, I wanted to get your opinion on on what you think might be going on before I bring it into my mechanic.
0: What's What's common with these generally a rough idle complaint on one of these is the engine is running lean. Now it can be some okay. of the, it can be some of the things you're talking about as far as valve adjustment. It can be vacuum leaks. Obviously, the basic things, the things that we know forever in a day. What I, would, what I would do if it was mm-hmm. in the shop is I, would, I have a bottle of propane set up for regular listeners of the show. They know this story. It's a bottle of propane on a regulator with a pinched brake line that I use to just give a little spritz of propane at a calibrated value and just enrich mm-hmm. the mixture a little bit. Does it smooth out the idle? Not flood it to the point where it stalls, but just give it a little taste of propane. Is it looking for fuel? If it's looking for fuel and the idle quality improves... Then okay, I, I've got to start chasing what's making it running lean, and you know it could be anything from restrictions in the injectors. It is older, even though it has low mileage. It could be carbon deposits. I've seen the connections at the injectors be a problem, where every once in a while one injector mm-hmm. won't fire correctly. Hence your puh 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 puh, right? Um, I've mm-hmm. also I've also seen quite a few bad mass air or air mass sensors, which is what they're referred to in '86 an air mass sensor be a fault and cause a lean condition. Uh those are okay, th- so, those are common.
1: Okay, with the um I was thinking about, you know, checking for vacuum leaks using propane or something like that. Um in terms of of richening up a little bit, where would I run the propane through? Just at, right at the
0: Oh yeah, right at the air intake snorkel. At the air intake? Sure. Yeah, before the okay. before the air mass meter, it's the propane's not going to bother the air mass meter. It's just going to get ingested into the engine as fuel. Now, also keep in okay. mind in 86, the air mass meter had a higher authority over fuel control and fuel delivery than the O2 to a large degree. So, one of the mm. and, but the, the fact that it has an O2, one of the things you can do is hol- hook up a a digital voltmeter or a scope depending upon what you have, watch that O2 sensor. When you give it propane, you should see the subsequent change. You should see, you know, an immediate response on the voltmeter where the O2 signal gets pinned over a volt or close to a volt, nine-tenths of a volt, nine-tenths to a volt. It'd probably be about where you'd want to be as a new sensor, so it might even go a little bit higher. But my point is that, you know, you're going to be able to see here's the cause, here's the effect, and see if that richening it up does make a difference.
1: Okay, yeah, and when I, when I pulled the throttle body and looked inside of the, the intake plenum, there's a, quite a bit of uh, sooty deposit in there. Right,
0: so then that brings us to the last part of this before the clock takes me, Lauren, is, you know, think about carbon deposits in the engine, and, you know, here's a case where a can of Berryman B12 chem tool with Hess technology. Uh, dump a can of that in. You can find it at O'Reilly Auto Parts. And um, follow that, and you might find a difference. You probably will in terms of carbon deposits and cleaning up the engine. So uh, do that. Give me a call. We'll go from there. I'm Ron Anini and The Car Doctor. We're back right after this.
2: But you if
0: got Welcome back. Ron Anini and The Car Doctor. You know, obd 2 has to be the hot-button topic. We talk about it all the time. Here on the radio show and it's one of the most common questions what is it how do I look at it why do I need an OBD2 scan tool and what am I what am I really looking for how much money do I need to spend well we've turned to one of the industry's experts Jennifer Grabowski she's product manager for the folks over at Bosch and uh, she's in charge of the Actron scan tool line and we thought we'd reach out to Jennifer today and have a conversation about OBD2 and she's here with us on the phone Jennifer welcome aboard
4: hi thanks Ron thanks to have me
0: so OBD2 you know, in, in in language that well, mom could understand. I've always related it to that. You know, if if my mom can get it, anybody can get it. Um, and that's not a knock on mom. She's ninety three and she's still sharp as a tack. So, you know, what is OBD two to my car? What does it mean?
4: Well, board, uh, OBD is onboard diagnostics. It's a uh basically a government standard that all vehicles, 1996 and newer, that are sold in the United States must meet the standards. And it's basically an emissions. Anything related to the emissions, um, your check engine light would come on if it doesn't meet the standards. So,
0: you know, for someone out there driving a car that they're tooling along and the check engine light's on, that's an emissions issue. That's got nothing to do with vehicle maintenance.
4: That's correct. Yeah, it is an emission standard though, with the OBD two, and that specifically the check engine light coming on in the vehicle.
0: So Harry, homeowners driving his Buick, and the check engine light comes on. He's got he's got a couple of choices. He's either going to look at it himself, or he's going to take it into his mechanic and let the mechanic look at it. And correct. and you know if he's going to look at it, you know if he wants to do it, what are some of the things he needs to be aware of? You know how can he get into that OBD two connector?
4: Well, there's there's several options you know there's there's really inexpensive tools for forty50 dollars if you just want to read the code uh, get the information about the, the the code itself and the vehicle um, and turn off the light say versus you could spend several hundred dollars maybe you want to read live data maybe you want to read also ABS codes and definitions or perhaps airbags it depends on your level of uh, information, knowledge, what else you might want to do with the vehicle, but there's from a basic tool all the way to several hundred dollars you can spend.
0: And and the difference between OBD-2 and let's say I buy a, um, a, a, a Tech-2, which is dealer-level scan tool or mm-hmm. a, a, a Ford dealer-level scan tool or a Chrysler, the difference between a manufacturer-specific tool and OBD-2 is what?
4: Well, for one thing, a lot of money, right? It's right. several thousand dollars to buy a, a Tech 2 or um, those products. But they have a lot of information available to them um, from looking at your instrument cluster panel to turning on actuators and switches in the vehicle, a lot of information that might not be necessary for a DIYer. Um, depending on the level of information, again, that you know, you probably just need um, a 50 maybe a $150 tool that can do a lot of great things with turning on, at least seeing the information. About what is going on with the car, turning off the light, and again, reading live data. You can see your RPMs, your coolant temperature. You can see all those things with a basic code reader or scantle. You don't need a several thousand dollar tool um, for most people. That is not a requirement, unless maybe you're fixing everybody's car in the neighborhood or something like that. Right. You really don't need anything right. like that.
0: And, you know, in, in reality, OBD2, even for the professional repair shop, in, in this mechanic's opinion, and I think in yours, is the place to start, correct? Check engine light comes on. The, the, the first thing a repair shop should be doing is looking at OBD-2 because that's where there's going to be quite a bit of information that the manufacturer may not necessarily have.
4: Yeah, I mean, the, usually that is what they do They, when you first take in a car, if it has that check engine line on. Or maybe even if it doesn't, they might see what pending codes there are or what codes are coming up with the vehicle and what could be causing um, an issue with the vehicle when you're taking it in somewhere. So you can always, uh, again, check with an uh, inexpensive tool, or get a more expensive one with a little more extra bells and whistles, or perhaps, like, uh, information on what's the most likely cause of the code. We have information called Code Connect that basically gives you kind of, like, the next step. It's the most – prioritized. what is the most likely cause of that check engine light. Is so, it just a uh, loose wire, maybe? Maybe you just loosen the gas cap and it, it's not tightened enough. It'll give you information um, to that extent about the code and about the vehicle.
0: So, so we know now – the listeners now know that, you know, OBD2 is, is is really a form of communication mandated by the government for emissions and vehicle general state of health in that area. They know they've got to plug in. Um they decide after the show today and Jennifer will be real happy, they're all going to run out and buy a scan tool. And one guy's got 50 bucks, the other guy's got 150 and another guy's got 300. Fair range.
4: Um, definitely yeah i mean there's different tools for different levels and different um, requirements of information that you want to get if you just want a code 4050 tool you'd probably have to look up that tool uh, codes online versus if you want the ABS airbags code connect information um, likely fixes it's a little more expensive for that kind of tool as well as live data
0: well you get what you you get what you pay for and listen fixing cars exactly. no, nobody ever said it was going to be cheap so code connect Let's talk about that. That seems to be the the premier tool over at Actron. Is that, a, is, is that correct? Well,
4: yes. Um, we offer this information. It is included in the database of the tool on several of our more expensive tools. It also gives um, the likely cause. It has over 26 million fixes within the database itself, and it's adding on all the time. And it's basically from... Um, techs calling into a hotline and getting information about how to fix their vehicles, and they log all this data, and we make it available to the DIYer. Um, It basically gives you the most likely cause of that check engine light. Again, is it to replace the O2 sensor? Maybe it's a a wire that's usually loose on the vehicle, or perhaps it's, um, again, the gas cap uh, that is causing that light to turn on.
0: Wow. Right, and that's that's available. So in other words, the $300 tool will have Code Connect in it. Code Connect is a database of repair information of known pattern failures and fixes to help that the person with that particular vehicle as they plug in and tell it it's a 2006 Buick and so on.
4: That is correct. Yep, it would not in, be included in anything of our over $200 tools, as well as we also offer um, a U-Scan product, it's called, and it works with your smartphone. If you don't want to have... a Maybe you don't want to have the handheld tool, you want to have your smartphone. You get a little dongle uh, plug, if you will, that plugs into your vehicle. It pairs with your device, your iPhone or Google phone, and gives you the information that way. And it has an up. Oh, you get one Code Connect vehicle free. And then if you like that information, you can, for a nominal fee, get additional Code Connect for all vehicles or one vehicle. So you can choose if you want to pay for that um, additional information, but the base unit itself is still under $100. Well, so you could see it and then decide if, if you would want more.
0: a lot, a lot of technology for a hundred bucks, right?
4: Definitely. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So so where can the listeners get more information, Jennifer?
4: Um, Actron.com. Uh we have all kinds of information about our tools, our full line, from the basic code reader all the way up to our Code Connect ABS airbag tools.
0: Act Actron.com and Actron is part of the Bosch family of diagnostics. And um, that is correct. You know, obviously we all know who Bosch is. Uh, and we know what they represent and what they bring to the table to this industry. Jennifer, I want to thank you for taking the time today and helping enlighten everybody about OBD-2, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again real soon. You take good care.
4: Thanks, Ron. Thanks again. You're
0: very welcome. I'm Ron and The Car Doctor. We are back right after this. 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. Welcome back. Ron and The Car Doctor. And Once again, thanks to Jennifer Grabowski. And uh, if you're looking for more information about OBD-2, get out to Actron. Uh, scan tools. It was Actron Scan tools. Actron.com. We'll look up the website. Tony, Tom, look up the website. Give me the website again before the end of the hour, and we'll plug that up there at the top. So uh, let's get over to the phone. Let's go over to Charlie up there in Buckfield, Maine, I believe that is. And uh, some comments and questions about oil changes. Charlie, is that correct? Is this Maine or is this uh, Mass? Maine, Maine. Please. Yes, Charlie. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, come on now. So we don't want to start that whole Massachusetts. Uh, I've noticed that the guys from Massachusetts and Maine, it's it's worse than the north and the south. Uh, You know, it's, you know, it's, but anyway, how can I help you today, Charlie? What's going on?
2: Carbug here. I've got three Toyotas. One of them is a brand new Camry SE. Okay, brand new. So the dealer says to me, you got free oil for two years. They only change it at 10,000. That's the first question. What do you think of their, their deal?
0: Well, um, what oil filter are they putting in it?
2: I imagine
0: a Toyota. Okay. You know, it's it's funny. I had a phone call this week with a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, Jay Buckley. Jay Buckley is the Bendix Brake Answer Man. He's also the Fram oil filter guy. And we had a great conversation about filters and, and, and so forth. And, you know, suffice it to say, at the end, I got some education, and I'm glad that he called me. And I now know that Fram makes an oil filter that is silicon-based. It's a silicon-based drain-back valve, and it's special fiber filtration. And he's sending me paperwork and documentation on it. It's their ultra filter, and it's rated to go 15,000 miles, flat out on the box. 15,000 miles. On the box, it says 15,000 miles. So finally, somebody showed me an oil filter that somebody's going to stick their neck out and say, here's the mileage interval. I tip my hat to them. The Toyota dealer, and I said, okay, so what are the manufacturers using? And he said, give me a for instance. And I said, Toyota. He said, Toyota makes a great 7,500-mile oil filter. And after that, it's questionable. So, you know, here we are. Now ask your question again. I'll ask it for you. It's a 10,000-mile interval. How are they doing that on a filter that's been generally accepted as rated by at 7,500 miles? You know, part of the education I got this week was that the mileage rating on filters – are dependent upon grams per mile and what the engine will produce and what the filter will absorb before it reaches saturation point and then goes into bypass mode where it's no longer filtering. So, you know, in the past, I've always based my comments about filter life and length and how far they will go on, you know, the average consumer. So to answer your question, Charlie, if they put a filter on there rated for 10,000 miles... And they use oil rated for 10,000 miles. And you're willing to check the oil level every 1,000 miles after 5 because we're going to go back to the way it was in 1963 where we're starting to check oil on a regular basis. Yeah, I'm okay with a 10,000-mile oil change. But, and I think I just heard hell reason over, but, <laughs> okay, there's you, you got to follow those caveats. There's no way... Okay. There's no way you're ever going to convince me 10,000-mile oil oil interval and never lift the hood. Now, maybe on a brand-new car in that first 10,000, and maybe the second 10,000, but after 20,000 miles on any given car with a proper oil filter and proper oil, I still expect somebody to get under the hood on a regular basis. And here is the biggest problem, okay? I'm I'm an independent repair shop owner. I'm a mechanic. Charlie brings me his car, and it used to be I'd see that car every four or five months, and I'd change the oil, and I'd get to look under the hood, and I'd look at all the other fluids, and I would get to test the battery going into the winter, and I would get to, you know, check coolant protection and all that good stuff. And some of that's dated, I get it. But in general, I had a, you know, I was under the hood, and I knew Charlie's car was good for the next four or five months. All right? Now you're going to go 10,000 miles. How long is it going to take you to go 10,000 miles, Charlie?
2: Uh,. And that particular car was that's uh, at least a year.
0: Okay, so are you going to be comfortable driving that car for one year without having a mechanic look under the hood?
2: Well, I'm not. That's why I'm kind of touching base with you. Okay, I'm and old then
0: school. And then when you bring it, and then when you bring it into my shop, and you say, Ron, I just I don't want the oil change because I've got I've got a ten thousand mile rated filter, and I've got a ten thousand mile rated oil in it. All right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they are out there. The industry's headed towards a twenty thousand mile oil change, and that's a whole other conversation. All right. right, but you know, when you bring that into my shop and you say, Ron, check the fluids, check the battery, do the normal service things, Charlie, I've got to charge you money. I can't do that for free, right? Exactly. M- my time is worth something. So the 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 fifteen minutes of time, the twenty five dollars or whatever the number is that I'm going to charge you. How does that equate to the oil change that you're missing? Hold that thought. We're going to pull exactly. away and take a pause and I'll finish this when I return. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming right back. Don't go away. I'm feeling good from my head to my shoes. Welcome back. We're on the car doctor feeling good here talking to you about your car problem at 855-560-9900. We're going to finish up with Charlie from Buckfield Maine. Charlie, you're still there, sir? I am. So, the bottom line comes back to talking about extended oil drain intervals. You know, it's a problem. So we're going to make that oil drain interval longer, and I'm not comfortable without having somebody look under the hood. I don't think you are either, and I'm I'm willing to bet that most of the people out there listening to me today are not comfortable without somebody looking under the hood. So what is the value of that extended oil drain interval? I'm not really sure, but like I said, the important part is got to have a good oil filter on there. Wix makes a great extended-range oil filter. We can use a Wix. We can use Pennzoil Synthetic and we can go the distance. And as long as we're using good quality oil, good quality filter, you want to go 10,000 miles? Go ahead, as long as the oil and the filter are rated for it. I have no problem with that. But then you got to ask yourself, what happens to those service intervals where fluids get checked, tire pressure gets checked, and, you know, everything else that's normally looked at. We had somebody come into the shop uh, yesterday. We do this show live Saturday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the network. It goes out across the affiliates afterwards. And Came into the shop yesterday afternoon, 3.30 on a Friday, TPMS light was on. They weren't our customer. They're now our customer because we gave them service, but we put air in the tires. Somebody hadn't done tire pressure in seven months because they had an extended range oil change. What do you do with that? You know, it's it's pulled a guy off of a job, stopped what we were doing on a Friday afternoon, went out and serviced somebody. You can't do that, make a living, and expect to be there the next week because the bank doesn't want to hear... Well, we put air in Mrs. Smith's tires, and that's why we can't make the mortgage this month. So, uh, you know, um, that, doesn't, that doesn't question. work. Last, last question, real quick.
2: I'll, I'll throw this at you real quick. Mobile One's come out with a 20,000-mile one. They're, yeah. they're no oil, twice the price.
0: And you know Did what? You and that? Well, you know, it's it's we're back to... And I'm not going to be surprised when Penn's oil comes out with extended-range oil change, or extended-range oil. And the problem still comes back to... How comfortable are you not having somebody... That would be two years somebody doesn't look under the hood of your car, Charlie. How comfortable are you going to be then? And the other thing to remember, and we seem to forget this, we are all so adamant about how long can we go on an oil change. I never hear everybody talking about, I change my transmission fluid, my coolant, my brake fluid, I rotate my tires. We forget about the other maintenance that the car needs, and that's a problem because we're only focused on the engine. There'll be more to come on this, I'm sure. But till the next hour, I'm Ron and Andy, in the Car Doctor, reminding you: the mechanics aren't expensive; they're priceless. See ya.